living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let me go down to verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. New, New Life Church, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Please be seated. I didn't know I was going to be preaching that text to you today. <laughs> How do you like that? I didn't know that you guys, I know some people do that in their liturgy, but I didn't know that actually. I'm a three point preacher. Point, part one greater than money. Greater than money. Part two. Part two which glory do you seek? That's a question I want you chew on today. Which glory do you seek? In part three, the everlasting glory of God in the gospel. Right? Everlasting glory of God in the gospel. Um, in part one, greater than money, let's, let's go to uh, verse six. This is a rich and actually complex text. And in order to do it justice, you'd have to have a lot of sermons, okay? Well, I want to uh, share... Why I particularly chose this sermon, I gave this sermon actually to my own church. Um, I'm a church planner, <laughs> um, and our church, to let you know, we just passed our third year anniversary from our launch date, Revive Church. And, um, but I recently just came back from sabbatical. And so um, we worked really hard, we raised up our elders, and then I went on sabbatical, and my wife and I spent three months in Korea. And this sermon I'm about to give to you today is actually the first one I gave back to my church in September. And I thought, I've kind of heard some things about how your church has been, and I thought maybe this is the message that the Lord might, you know, impress upon my heart to give to you. 
And I want to start here in verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Let's just start there. In this. What's the this? If you go back a, little, a couple of verses there, the, this is this. According to his great mercy, he that is God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You're in verse 3 of this book, and you know what you're given? You're given the gospel. <laughs> Isn't that just the gospel? You've been born again through a living hope through Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead. And it says, that's what you rejoice over. Isn't this, that's what you rejoice over. And then it goes on to say this, for a little while, but if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. And isn't that kind of what the season of your life may have been like? Maybe here in Fremont, um, you probably had a number of things that have been maybe hard for you personally. Maybe something that's had the pandemic has been hard for you personally. Um, and maybe some things as a corporate body of Christ just has been a period of trial, you know. It's not easy. It's not easy to lose your pastor. It's not easy to go through a time when you don't get to see each other and laugh together and pray together and rejoice together. And there are probably a number of other trials which I don't know of, right? Um, but inside of our trials and living in the barrier, it's a great place. <laughs> it's a great place. It's a beautiful place. Uh, the weather is good. There's so many good things to eat and do out here. It's also a hard place. There are a lot of ways that we experience trials by living out here. Um, but then it says this next thing. It says, verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Let me say a little something about this. Um, you know, a number of you in this room, I see you're like Asian Americans, you know, you're, you're used to taking tests, right? I, I don't think that's what test means in this text. Right? You have something, we have this thing called faith. And you know, um, it gets pushed and prodded and challenged by our life and by the trials of this world. And you know what we get to find out? We get to find out, um, do we really believe, and this is faith in us, genuine and real, right? And um, I want to say something to you today. There's a lot of times what people think about what makes our church good is that there's a lot of people. If our band is really good, if there's a lot of excitement. And we look toward people to validate if this is real and if this is good. But actually, if in through the trial your faith is tested and you still come back and said, I want to put my rejoicing in Jesus, right? Let me tell you, you get to find out. You know what you're learning? Your faith is genuine. <laughs> New Life Fremont, all of you who are standing here today, sitting here today, I don't know if, where you exactly you are in your faith with Jesus. There's probably a pretty good bet that your faith is genuine. Right? And I want to say this next part here. It says it is more precious than gold. 
Gold, apparently, it can perish. You put up the heat of the fire. Did you know that gold can be destroyed? <laughs> apparently it can be. And um, I'm no metallurgist. I've taken some chemistry and physics quite a while ago, right? But it can be, the molecules can break, break apart, and it can be destroyed. It's hard to do it, but it can be. And so thus we know something like gold is this precious thing. You know what the Bible says? It says that your genuine faith in the gospel of Jesus is better than that. It's more than that. And I want to start this, this first part by asking you that. Do you believe that what you have in Jesus through the gospel, that is better than gold? Do you believe that? That's what the Bible says. Do you believe that? And what are we talking about here when we're talking about gold? We don't normally handle gold in our culture. But I think we all know what we're talking about here. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about money. We're talking about money. In our culture, we don't actually handle gold. But the equivalent, we handle all the time. It's more invisible, right? Our money is not a physical thing. It's a bunch of bits and bytes on a server someplace. And if the number on a server someplace that's attached to your name, your social security number, if that's a big number, you got a lot of money. And if it's a small number, you don't have much, right? That's how it works in the 21st century. That's our gold. And um, I spent my summer um, on sabbatical, and the way my wife and I did sabbatical was we went to Korea. I'm Korean-American, and um, we hadn't been to Korea in 22 years, okay? And so I was born there. Um, I grew up here in the Bay Area. It's not like, oh, I didn't really want to go there. Obviously, we don't go there very often. We ain't gone there in 22 years. But we went because my wife doesn't really know her extended family, and so I asked her, hey, babe, you know, we're going to get some time off here. What, this is your sabbatical too. What do you want? And she didn't hesitate. She said, I'm going to Korea. I want to know my family. I said, that sounds really important. Let's do that. And so um, it's not like I badly wanted to go to Korea for three months, but uh, that's, that was the purpose. And so it was pretty good for me. It was very interesting um, to find a time of rest away from ministry, away from the Bay Area, and uh, while I was in Korea, of course, I would regularly pray for my own church. I remembered my brothers and sisters whom I love at Revive, and they would all, they'd be on my mind all the time. But they're on my mind as I walk through Seoul, <laughs> as I walk through Busan, as I see this land and this place and how they do life. And um, you know what I found out when I was in Seoul? It's, it's a beautiful city. If you haven't ever gone there, it's really fun. You should go, right? And right now, the dollar is really strong. <laughs> so it's really weird. You know, uh, you pay something, you swipe your credit card, and literally it's getting cheaper. That's what it was like. Because our dollar is going up, you know? But, so there's a lot of beautiful things there. The food is fantastic. Uh, the buildings are beautiful. It's actually just a really cool place. But here's something else I saw. I saw something really hard. I didn't expect to experience this. What I saw is I saw the hurt of the people. I saw the hurt of the young people, especially. I'll tell you something. I was dealing with my cousin. 
I haven't seen him in a long time. He's got a nine-year-old daughter. They only have one child, and he has a nine-year-old daughter. And this is the summer, and he talked about how she goes to something called Hagwon. Anybody know what Hagwon is? Right? Hagwon, for those of you who don't know, is a Korean word that basically means academy. Okay? It's basically school after school. And so I said, wait a second, you're nine years old, and this is summer. You came out of Hagwon? And my cousin, who, best, by the way, he doesn't believe in Jesus, he said, yeah. He said, hey, that's how it is here in Seoul. It's completely normal. I said, so for those of you who don't know, in Korea, kids go to school in the morning, they go to their normal school, public school or private school, whether they go to one or the other. And then after school's over, they go to school again. <laughs> they go to Hagwon. And they might eat dinner there, and they don't come home till relatively late. I'm not talking about somebody who's in ninth grade or 10th grade or three years away from college. I'm talking about fourth grader. Don't come home until nine o'clock. And then as they get older, they come home later and later. And he's, I said, when do kids start going to Hagwan in Seoul? You know what my cousin said to me? He said, second grade. It's completely normal. If you don't do that, you will feel like you're failing your kids. And when I heard that, I, I really didn't quite know what to make of it. I was just kind of like, <sighs> and I love my cousin, and his wife is really cool. And my niece, it was a delight to meet her. But all those things were really painful to me, incredibly painful to me. And as I saw the young people all throughout the city, I, I saw them as oppressed. <laughs> they were oppressed. Their childhood was just completely being destroyed. <laughs> Honestly, it's being destroyed. Because they literally have to study <laughs> from their waking moments till they go to bed. <laughs> and and let me ask you, why do they do this? Do the parents dislike their kids? Of course not. It is exactly what that verse says. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its way is death. Right? And um, it's crazy because soul is not unlike here in the Bay Area. If you use your physical eyes and look at the place, it's beautiful. The weather is really, you know, like a lot. Of, the weather isn't always good in Seoul, okay? But when the weather is good, it's great, okay? And the city is gorgeous. And there's so many wonderful things to eat, and there's so much great entertainment. It's an absolutely fun place to go if you have money, just kind of like here, all right? Um, but did you know that um, Korea is the number one suicide country, the per capita suicide rate in the world is number one in Korea. <laughs> and do you know who commits suicide in Korea? It's teenagers. <laughs> That's who kill themselves in Korea. It is a very, very serious problem. It is a very, very serious problem. And yet, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its way ends in death. That is not a hyperbole. That is not like 
Well, you know, there's spiritual death. No, in Korea, it's death. It's death. Right? And while I was walking around, this land, which is, I'm an American, I love America. If you cut me open, the stars and stripes will spill out. Okay? You know? I don't wake up and, you know, want to sing, you know, like the national anthem of Korea. I love Star Spangled Banner. But I do love my motherland. It is the land of my ancestry. It was painful. So it's really a weird thing. It felt like how I feel often about this place. I'm from the Bay Area. I know everything that's great about the Bay Area. I also know everything that's terrible about the Bay Area. I have great compassion on my neighbors and on my own fellow church members. And I know they're hurting. I know the statistics. We all go around on the outside. We're okay, I'm okay, you're okay, we're making money. It's good here. But on the outside, we're like, it's kind of like, you know, on the front, you know, the duck looks really calm. <laughs> Under the water, the duck is like, ah! <laughs> That's what it's like in Korea for the young people. And if they don't go, run, 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 if I don't study till, you know, whatever, some ungodly hour, we're going to go under and die. And many of you, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? And why do we do all that? It's money. <laughs> it's money. So when you live here, that's, that's the thing. I'm not even talking about mortgage, so I hope you can buy a house here, okay? Hey, you've been on a house. Yay, you won the bid. Thank you. You won the bid. It feels like a booby prize to me. Because then now you get a mortgage. And you own the house and you own the mortgage. But maybe, actually, the mortgage owns you. And that's utterly normal out here, isn't it? I'm not trying to tell you to not buy a house. I hope you buy a house and stay here, okay? Especially if you love Jesus. But we all know this is like, this is how it feels. Or, you know, I don't own a house, I rent, right? But the rents are hard. It's money. And so, if we just make more money, then our life will turn out okay. If you just keep doing all these things, do this, do this, do this. And it's crazy because, you know, I bet you a number of you, you did study hard, you probably went to a good school, you probably have to to, you were successful, you had a pretty good job, you have a good degree, and you make decently good money. Maybe you do even own your own house, and hopefully you bought it a number of years ago, so your mortgage is that bad, right? And, but then we get married, then we have children, and then what do we do? Rinse, wash, repeat. Let's go do that for our kids so they can run that very, very hard rat race and be nervous and fearful about money too, right? And so, it says here in this passage, this, you rejoice because you've been born again through a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what the church, that's what it says inside. If the church is any good, that's what we rejoice about, right? But though I call myself a baptized, born-again believer in Jesus, actually, Honestly, I wake up in the morning and I really am a citizen 
of the Bay Area before I'm a citizen of the new heavens and the new earth, of the new Jerusalem. And often, my rejoicing comes more from, I did this, and that's going to get me closer to making more money, isn't it? Isn't that more often the case? Here's the thing I want to say to you, um, new life, my dear brothers and sisters here. You know, we want so many things from money. It's not even just money. Sometimes we want, like, respectability. It's like, I came from a poor family. If I don't have money, then who's going to ever respect me? So I get money, and then I'll be respecting me. Or it's strange. It's money, something in the bank account, and but, and it says something about your quote-unquote personal worth, but then we think it's really about my worth. <laughs> Those are the things that ends up in our heart. And all these things really fill up our life. But if our rejoicing is in money, really, aren't we enslaved? Aren't we enslaved? I was in Seoul, and it was crazy to be in a city of 10 million people. And every day, I could feel the oppression and enslavement of money. That's what it was, of money. And I was like, wow, this is just like the Bay Area. It is just like the Bay Area. I'm in a completely different culture on the other side of the world. It's just like that. I'll tell you something else. It's really, it was really painful to find out. Something like 25% of the country says that they believe in Jesus. I actually believe that figure. That's probably true. That's incredible. That something like one out of four people in Korea believe in Jesus. Okay? Now let me tell you, under the age of 30, it ain't 25%. <laughs> no way. When I talk to the pastors, they're like, it's a low number when you get under 25%. Because when the kids start getting toward high school, they don't go to church. <laughs> because they gotta study. Because they gotta get into college. And if they get into that right college, then they will rejoice. But then they don't go to church when they're not rejoicing in Jesus. Their parents love them. And their parents maybe even love Jesus. They think, yeah, you know, we just got to do this. <laughs> After they finish high school, they'll go back to church, won't they? <laughs> you and I know, no, they don't. <laughs> because they just spent the last few years of their life putting their hearts to rejoicing to get into college so I can make money. And then they go off to college and they're like, well, I'll rejoice for not even study anymore, not even party. And then I'll graduate and then I can make money. But where is the rejoicing from being born again through the resurrection of Jesus that goes out the window? So the kids are being lost from Christ in a whole nation. And uh, what I want to say to you, New Life Fremont, you're a sister church. We love you. We really do. Our, our pastors, we regularly pray for you, okay? We want the gospel to thrive here in Fremont, here in the East Bay, and reach your neighbors, reach your enslaved, hurting neighbors. And if we rejoice in money, just like our neighbors, then they won't see there's anything more. How will they ever know Jesus? 
when they meet us, they're like, oh, you're a Christian. Our words say, I rejoice in Jesus. But they hang out with us and they pick up our spirits. They know what's inside. And what's inside is, I'm fearful that I won't have enough money. I rejoice, and that's why I'm going to run the rat race to get more money. They can feel that in us. And they're like, that's how I am. I don't see any God in you. What is this eternal life thing? I don't get it. And what I want to say is, it isn't just that they won't get it, your kids won't get it. <laughs> if you don't keep doing it, your wife may not get it, your husband may not get it, and then, and then we will slip into the enslavement. It is a way that seems right to a man. It's what he's done. Okay. Let's go to part two. Part two, which glory do you seek? Ah, okay, some of you are sitting there, okay, going, it's not money for me, Pastor. That's not what I'm interested in. And maybe that's true, okay? So let's go down to a, the bottom of the chapter, verse 22. And, um, Apparently in your church, you say these words pretty regularly because it's right here in your liturgy, right? And actually it's a quote straight out of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. But did you know it's right here in 1 Peter chapter 1? Right? So I, uh, my wife and I lived in Philadelphia for quite some time, and we were part of a good PCA church out there. And our pastor, uh, he would read you know, the text, and he'd always say this verse. <laughs> He'd always say this verse, and he was from the South. He was white, and most of us were 95% church. Church was 95% white. We were one of the few um, non-white folks in the church. And I always can hear his voice saying, and I'm not trying to make fun of him. Actually, I love him. And so, see, he'd say in his uh, southern accent, the grass withers <laughs> and the flowers fade. <laughs> but the word of our Lord stands forever. That's what he said. If you read the text, it says like this, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like a flower of grass. And then it says the grass withers and the flower falls at the ESV version. Right? So, you know, if you're a human being, you wake up every day and you know what you're interested in? Glory. And for some of you, maybe it's not money. A lot of us, it is. Okay? And if it isn't money, you're interested in a glory that you can get through money. But maybe it isn't actually money. It's some other glory. So, here's another thing I did this summer. Um, I watched the Warriors. <laughs> Anybody watch the Warriors here? I watched the Warriors. I really like basketball, but I'm not a huge basketball fan. But I really do like Steph Curry. Okay? He knows Jesus. That's the bonus. But even if he didn't know Jesus, I would love Steph Curry. And uh, because he did, I just wait, watch the game, and I wait for him to do something that nobody else can do. <laughs> and when he does it, I get super happy because for that little flash of a moment, you know what you get? Glory. And so, ladies, if you don't understand why your husband watches all this TV, that's what he's looking for. <laughs> Probably. Right? And uh, in game four of the NBA Finals, 
Steph Curry had like a game of all games, okay? In the first quarter of that game, I said, oh man, nobody else can score on our team. And if Steph doesn't score more than 40 points, we're gonna lose. I, I, I was thinking that, and I'm watching this in Seoul on like a, a live stream, <laughs> you know, on my iPad. And, and then he did it. He scored, uh, I want to say 43 points. He's absolutely like a superman, okay? And it filled me up with, I, I started dancing around the room. <laughs> and I, I was just going like, oh man, I, I should be home. So I can drink in this glory with all my friends and all my fellow warrior fans. And so I drank in that glory and I was super duper happy. My girls and my wife, they were not interested, so that was kind of not kind of discouraging, okay? And that glory lasted, I had the glow of that for about two weeks. <laughs> about two weeks. And isn't that about how long a flower lasts? Ladies, did your husband ever bring you flowers? Or uh, your, uh, you know, your boyfriend ever bring you flowers, right? Um, not, this will be good. If you haven't done giving flowers to your wife anytime, you should do it occasionally, okay? <laughs> and don't do it like only on your anniversary. I, I recently did it on our anniversary. And um, I watched those flowers sitting on our dining table. And if it's long, if it's long, then you go two weeks. But it's just like that. All its glory, like the flower or grass, it fades. And no matter what glory it is that you're interested in, it's like that. Don't you? We all know it's like that. You hear about some really cool product on wire cutter. Then you go to Amazon and you go get it. This is the coolest one. Go get it. You click. Two days later, maybe if you don't have Prime, it'll be a little longer for you, but for me, I have Prime. So like two days later, it shows up. It's shining. It's great. It's beautiful. I find out it's really cool. What they said on Wirecutter was true. Yes. Two weeks later, just like the flower, its glory fades. Right? Maybe in your life, you're, you have other glories. You care about your looks. You care about how skinny you are. Maybe you work out. And I hope you do that. It's good. It's good for your health. But there will be some time. So let's just, put, let's just say in the best possible way. Best possible way. Your hair doesn't fall out. And it does not get gray. And somehow, you're able to stay skinny and lean. And your muscles are like, you take your butt right and you're like, yeah, all right? And you know, like my wife, she gets up and she does her little ab things and you know, she's like, you know, just doing that. And I'm going like, oh, so disappointed. It's like, not me, you can forget that, right? And let's say you get to do that and you're, good. let's say you look fantastic till you're 60, 65. You're one of those strange, Rare people that you're 65 years old and people think you're like 35. Okay, like, you're, like that's like the best case scenario, isn't it? <laughs> and then the flower will fade. <laughs> and that's how it is. And so, I want to ask you this question. 
Don't you want a glory that's bigger than that? Better than that? A glory that can withstand all the trials. <laughs> it can withstand pandemics. It can withstand your church losing some of the people in your church. It can withstand a period of depression. It can withstand recession. It can withstand the fact that, like, oh gosh, we can't eat that because the gas costs a little too much money. <laughs> and that is hard. And maybe much harder things than that. A glory that can withstand cancer. A glory that can withstand the death of your friend. <laughs> the glory that can withstand a lot of hard things. Let's go to part three. I want to give you the everlasting glory of God in the gospel. Right? This is what it says after verse those terrible words. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flowers fall. The word of the Lord remains forever, which I'm so glad you guys hear every week. But you know what it says right after that in verse 25? This word is the good news that is preached to you. It's the good news preached to you. That good news, we have this other word for it. It's called gospel. So when I came back from Seoul, a city that's oppressed by its love of money, its idolatry of money, quite frankly, just like us in the Bay Area, I wanted to say a glory that will last forever. And call my own brothers and sisters to rejoice in something bigger, right? in the gospel. So, I want to close this message. I want to close this message by uh, sharing with you the gospel in a way which I hope will help you to get back to rejoicing. Okay? Um, I'm going to tell you a story, which I heard a number of years ago. I heard at a time when um, I was a little bit low at a place in my faith, a little cynical. It felt like God was a little dis distant, and it felt like there was kind of a lot on my plate, some of which I didn't feel like I could handle. And I was at this church, and I heard this story, and um, it really helped me. Maybe it'll help you. Okay. It's a true story. I don't know all the principal players, um, but um, let me t begin to tell the story to you as I remember it. Okay. So there was a family, and um, there was a family, and they had two children. And the older child was was a, was a little boy. I don't know exactly about how eight, how old. He must have been six or seven or something like that. And then they had a daughter, a little sister, and um, she was sick. Um, she was dying. She was dying from kidney failure. And so, you know, of course they put her, you know, her on the match list. They did all, they did everything. And um, there wasn't anybody, okay? But her brother 
matched. Right? And so the older brother, if he gives up his kidney, she's going to make it. And so the mom and dad went to their son and asked him, so would you give up your kidney for your little sister? And he was like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's an organ in your body. And that's why she's really, really sick. And she's actually dying. And if you give yours up, she's going to make it. And he's like, he thought about it, thought about it. And they gave him time, and he said yes. Okay? So, you know, there's the preparations and so forth. And the day of the surgery came, and you know, they're about to, you know, get him prepared. So, you know, the, the sister's there, and he's there, and then, you know, they're about to, um, you know, it's the day before, and he then started to go around and hug his mom and hug his dad, and hug all the other friends and family who came there before the surgery, and he started to say goodbye. <laughs> and they were like, what do you mean goodbye? <laughs> what are you talking about? And since he did not know anything about you know, how the surgery works, he did not even know there's two kidneys. He thought, that if he goes on that table in the surgery and they take out his kidney, he would die. So when they asked him, did you give the kidney for your sister? He thought that meant I'm going to die. But my sister will live. He thought seriously about that. His answer was yes. And they were like shocked and horrified because they realized they had not, nobody had explained to him any of the physiology and how it works. They were so concerned about the little sister, they forgot to tell everything to their son. And he had the weight of this tremendous decision in his mind. And yet he said yes. Right? What I want to say to you is that is a true story that happened in the family. That is actually the story of the world. That is your story. It's my story. There is a much bigger family. And there is a much greater father. And there is a younger sibling. And we need far more than a kidney. And the older sibling, the son, was asked by his father. It's more than a kidney. You will have to die. You will die. But if you die and your blood is shed, your little siblings will live. That son, you know his name. He's the son of God. His name is Jesus. Right? There is a verse in this chapter that I can read out loud for you. 
This is verse uh, 13. Just hear it. Prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways, from the ways that seem right to a man but lead to death, you have been ransomed, you have been paid for, you have been liberated from our futile ways, inherited from our forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold or money or degrees, but the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world was made, that was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Hear that word? Glory. So that your faith and hope are in a glory that really rests in God. So brothers and sisters, I hope you'll hear this gospel. It'll give you a glory that'll never fade. It'll never be taken away from you and you can never lose. You can rejoice over NBA championships and I hope you do make a lot of money, okay? But I hope in the center of the, your heart, in the center of New Life Fremont, you rejoice in the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we're going to now receive of the gospel. We're going to receive the gospel, the sacrament. But first and foremost, we thank you for giving us the gospel, the good news, the person, the work, the death, the resurrection the blood shed in our place of your son, the true first sibling, Jesus. I cannot believe that you would do such a thing. And we know this in our heads, but we regularly like forget and don't know this. And so, Lord, we pray that... Um, we would uh, sing a song and we would love on you and then we would get to go to your table and, um, and respond to you, Lord. Pray all this in Jesus' name.